You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Dan Feldman here. Welcome to Locked On Pistons. You can follow us on Audio Boom or subscribe on iTunes. We're back to daily now, daily coverage of the Detroit Pistons, Monday through Friday. We'll have a new podcast updating everything going on with training camp, with the team as we get into the season, and and hopefully a long playoff run. Uh, so if you like what you hear, check us out on Audio Boom and iTunes. Subscribe, follow, uh, and leave a review if you like it, and that'll help other people find it as well. Uh, the Pistons are just getting into training camp, and already there's a little bit of bad news. Stan Van Gundy said the team is behind. They're not quite keeping up with what he wanted to implement at this point, which may or may not be a big deal. Probably isn't. I lean toward it isn't, but it's always so tough to tell in training camp what is or isn't a big deal uh, with anything. You know, any small injury is treated as, you know, the player, he's going to be evaluated, he's going to be looked at. When that happens during the season, it's worth monitoring in training camp, everything is just put so far under a microscope because there's not a lot going on. Uh, but Van Gundy gave an interesting rationale for why the Pistons didn't get as far as he had hoped in their uh, their first day of, of practicing together officially. And it's because so many players are going to play multiple positions this year. Stanley Johnson, you'll see him at shooting guard, small forward, power forward. Marcus Morris and Tobias Harris, they're going to be playing both forward spots. And it's, you know, all the way down the list, John Luer will be playing power forward and center. There are no shortage of versatile players on this roster. In the long run, that's going to allow the Pistons to better match up with with many different teams. But in the short term, it's causing some kinks. And I think it's worth acknowledging that there's a, I don't know, a sto- I don't want to call it a lie, but a story peddled by a lot of people in basketball that uh, they're just basketball players, man. Like, just get them out there. And, you know, they just play. And it's not really like that. There are a difference in positions. The one, two, three, four, and five are different things. And they can adapt what they do depending on which players are out there. You know, the, the center's responsibilities are not going to be the same when it's, when it's John Lure as when it's Andre Drummond. But everybody has to know that. That takes time to adapt. If you need to get used to a different player playing at different positions next to you. Even if you're at the same position, you have to adapt to both. And in Lure's case, if he's going to be playing some center and power forward, he needs to learn both positions. So any wrinkle you add like that, no, they're not just basketball players who roll the ball out there and no matter who the five are, it's going to work. It doesn't always work that way. You have to practice it. You have to adjust to it. And that is, you know, it's going to take time and being behind one day into training camp, not necessarily a big deal. Maybe it's better to do it thorough than rush through it and get through as much. Uh, but it is definitely something to watch if this team needs more of a, an acclimation period in the regular season, because there's, I think, I think there are three tiers in the East where the Pistons are concerned uh, tier one is the Cavs by themselves at top. Tier two uh, has the Celtics and Raptors taking the two and three seeds in whatever order you think. Uh, and then I think there are a lot of teams sort of mashed together between four and ten or so. Maybe it's even a little further down than that. And I don't think there's a huge separation. 
And I do think the Pistons are the best team of that bunch. But when there's so little separation, if they need more time to adjust to each other and learn how to play multiple positions and learn what to do when somebody else is changing positions, that could have a big effect. Because if there is not much difference between 4 and 10, in reality of how good the teams are, there's a huge difference in terms of outcomes. You know, being the four seed, you got home court advantage in the first round. If you're ninth or 10th, you're out of the playoffs completely. The season's a failure. And so there's definitely an onus for the Pistons to win as much as they can. They're not in position to coast. There's a definite meaningfulness to this regular season uh, because of how the East stacks out and because of where the Pistons are as a team. Uh, So anything that delays that, definitely worth monitoring. One of the position versatility things that Stan Van Gundy brought up, and I'm a little surprised he brought it up himself. Uh, I'm not surprised he gets asked about it, but I'm surprised that he seems so open to it. And that's using Reggie Jackson, Reggie Jackson and Ish Smith on the court together. I definitely think it's worth experimenting with. I'm a big fan of two-point guard lineups. I think for several years now, when teams used both of their point guards together, it's successful. Like there's a, I don't have the numbers to back this up, and it's hard to gauge and figure out the best way to do it on a meaningful scale. But I do think, uh, looking at this enough and watching how teams play and seeing some supporting numbers behind it, teams tend to play better when they have both their point guards on the court. And some of that is self-selection. A lot of teams are limited in when they do it, and they only do it when they think they have a matchup advantage with it. And so, you know, it's going to look better because of that. But I think it's better enough to the point where teams have shown that it's something that they should be more open to in the same way that small ball has come about, that teams that went small had so much success that it it prompted other teams to say, hey, you know, we see some success in a small sample. It's enough where we should see a bigger sample. And I think that's true of two point guard lineups. Do the Pistons have the right combination to make that work? Uh, There are a couple questions before they can figure that out that they'll have to answer. Uh, The first one, Is Reggie Jackson a better shooting guard than Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Darren Hilliard, and Reggie Bullock in certain minutes? And that's going to be tough. Uh, Reggie Jackson is is definitely going to be the one, by the way, who's going to be moving to shooting guard. Uh, For all the reservations about Reggie Jackson at shooting guard, Then I'll get into shortly, they're all very much amplified by Ish Smith. Ish Smith is quick. Uh, He he just gets everybody in the offense quickly. He's going to push the ball up court. Uh, He's smaller, so he's not as able to guard shooting guards. He's going to be the point guard in those lineups uh, to what extent there is one. And and obviously, Reggie Jackson can take some of the point guard responsibilities, uh, but when you talk about who's the one and who's the two if they're playing together, it's Ish Smith. Uh, so Reggie Jackson becomes sort of the, the fulcrum on whether this will work or not. And so the first question is, are there going to be times where he is going to be the team's best shooting guard? And, you know, Contavious Caldwell-Pope is a pretty good shooting guard. I think we can all agree that he is a better shooting guard than Reggie Jackson. It's a decent bar. Uh, but Contavious Caldwell-Pope is not going to play 48 minutes per game. 
So that's going to open up some other possibilities. And so is Reggie Jackson a better shooting guard than Reggie Bullock and Darren Hilliard? And maybe. Like, that's, that's going to be step one is figuring that out. Reggie Jackson is definitely a better player than them overall. Uh, but they're a little bit more comfortable at, at shooting guard. Hilliard is a much better spot-up shooter. Uh, he's a better defender of shooting guards than Reggie Jackson uh, from what we've seen in a small sample. Uh, so I think in that regard, he is he is going to be better. Uh, Hilliard has some advantages as well. He's used to playmaking, to dribbling, to setting up teammates, sort of starting off the ball, assessing the court without the ball, getting the ball, and then going into some type of action uh, where Reggie Jackson very much is used to to just bringing the ball up himself, sort of slowly letting the play develop, running the pick and roll from the point of attack. That's what he's used to. Uh, So the other two lesser players do have some advantages, uh, but Reggie Jackson is an improved outside shooter, and he brings that secondary playmaking ability potentially to shooting guard uh, and has maybe some more of a, a shooting stroke and chemistry with and just better overall play than Hilliard, who also has that secondary uh, ability. The other issue is going to be how does Reggie Jackson complement Ish Smith? And that's where I think there could be some trouble. Reggie Jackson, and this is not a big knock on him because he's not been asked to do it much throughout his career, uh, but he's just not as refined playing off the ball, coming around screens, spot up shooting without getting the ball in his hands first or dribbling. It's just not a skill set he has relative to an average shooting guard. I'm not sure the Pistons have a an average backup shooting guard behind him uh, between or behind Caldwell Pope uh, between Hilliard and, and Bullock, but there there are a couple okay pieces and I sort of think Reggie Jackson would be okay as a shooting guard. He's he's already shown that he can defend shooting guards. He's a bigger, definitely a longer, he's got some decent strength uh, point guard, and he often cross-matches with KCP. So guarding shooting guards is not going to be new to him. That's probably going to be the end where it comes easier. Reggie Jackson isn't a great defensive player, so it's not going to be great on that end, but he is a little more used to that. And so I think... uh, I think that's going to be less of an adjustment for him and for everybody else. Like we've talked about a player changing positions, playing multiple positions doesn't just affect him. It affects everybody all the way down. Uh, So everybody needs to be on the same page with that. A couple other notes to get to Uh, Pistons assistant coach, Tim Hardaway, the the former great Miami heat uh, Golden State Warriors player, Uh, He was sentenced to 18 months probation and 10 days of community service because he pleaded no contest to uh, drunk driving. Uh, It's a, you know, it's definitely a serious thing. Uh, I hope that when Hardaway has said that this was an isolated case, that that is true. I hope it remains an isolated case. It's always a scary and dangerous thing for everybody else on the road. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's something that deserves punishment and, uh, and I think he'll get it. I think the stance from the league is, is pretty clear that for even no contest, uh, to drunk driving, 
you're going to get two games. There's a precedent for that. There's a precedent for assistant coaches being suspended. Uh, so I do expect Hardaway to miss the first two games of the season, although we'll see for certain at some point soon where the league comes down on that. Uh, but I do think he'll miss two games. I don't think it'll be a big loss to the Pistons. Assistant coaches don't do most of their work during the 48 minutes of a game. You know, a lot of it, depending on the coach, it is in studying film and helping to develop a game plan before. It's working with players on skill developments, a lot of things. Uh, but as far as managing the game, yeah, assistant coaches can be helpful. Like It could be a loss for these two games. Uh, but the bigger impact would be if Hardaway couldn't be with the team or help work for the team for a period of time. And I don't think the NBA is going to go to to those lengths. Uh, the other thing, the last thing I wanted to share was uh, this fantastic Stan Van Gundy quote. Uh, and this is through Vince Ellis of the Detroit Free Press. Stan Van Gundy was asked about the, the presidential debate the other night. Uh, and this is what he said. Uh, this is Van Gundy. If I could get that matchup every night, I'd go to it every time down the floor. I'd go to that matchup every time down the floor. That's all I'm saying. Just keep going right there. And I think if you know anything about Van Gundy, uh, that is uh, an endorsement of Hillary Clinton. That she has a matchup advantage over Donald Trump. Uh, and she, she probably does, uh, especially on a debate stage. Definitely not Donald Trump's strongest area and for his part he definitely did not capitalize on the other end whatever matchup advantages he had over her now nah, he wasn't going to those down the court he was he was getting flustered and talking about other things uh i don't i don't want to make every podcast we do getting into politics but this is just the reality of it the pistons have a a socially aware team including Van Gundy especially, uh, but various other players. And we're not going to hide from it. We're going to talk about these things as, as they come up, as they relate to the Pistons. Uh, and so I, I, do, I did sort of get a chuckle about Van Gundy's comment. I thought it was a funny way to put it. Uh, and it is also, there's a, definitely, I think, a, a liberal echo chamber that thought Hillary did better than, than a majority of Americans thought. Uh, but that's his impression of it. And... I guess kudos to him for putting it in a in a funny way. Thanks everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this, you can follow us on on Audio Boom or subscribe on iTunes. While you're there, leave us a rating. Also check out todaysfastbreak.com. Some good NBA coverage there. And lastly, uh, check out Locked On Lions. I know a lot of you Piston fans are. Also Detroit Lion fans, and that's another very good podcast, part of the Locked On Network, uh, to keep up with all your Detroit sports teams. Thanks for listening.